Welcome. It's another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Ron and I have known each other for decades, both passionate about investing, obviously. But really, what our passion here is, Ron, is trying to give people a basic fundamental understanding of financial literacy and how the markets work. And we've branched off into so many areas over the last three years. But now let's talk about what makes stock markets move. And one of the things that's a real burr in the saddle for both of us is when we see the talking heads come on talking, well, the market did this because. And oftentimes it's purely drivel, isn't it? Yeah. So it's important that if you're an investor that you understand what the financial underpinnings are, what makes markets go up, what makes markets go down, what makes stocks move in a particular direction. And, you know, you, you listen on media of any type, the written, uh, radio, television, podcasts. Often what you, you, you hear is stuff that is just absolute drivel. And if you go to social media and you listen to these, these chat rooms where it's, people are talking about why things are happening, frankly, much of it is just complete drivel. And if you're going to understand markets and you're going to really know what makes them and what drives them, uh, there's four things that drive markets. We're going to talk about those today. And so this is not a specific show where we're going to give you a sector or specific things to look at. This is just an education show that will help you understand what the underpinnings are behind economies, behind markets, and what really makes them move. And just as an aside, I, I, I was telling you before we went on here today that I'd read an article not too long ago written by some millennials and Gen Zers that poo-poo's basically anything that baby boomers have to do with. You and I are both baby boomers. Let's identify that right up front. Uh, and one of the articles, one of the components of this article was about financial advice. And they said, sometimes the best financial advice is no financial advice. And I thought to myself, that that is just wrong. Not everybody is a complete moron that gives financial advice. There are a lot of really smart people, and I think you're one of them, that did this or do it for a living, correct? It, it is like any other sector. I mean, Gord... You and I have sat down and talked about people that worked on our cars that made an absolute mess of them. Well, you don't go back to those people. You find someone, like I've had the, the same guy look after my car now for for almost 25 years. Why? Well, I found someone who's really good that uh, that I trust, that fixes things, that doesn't overcharge. The same thing is with dentists. I've been to dentists that, uh, frankly, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think they did a terrific job. I've been going to the same dentist now for 25, 30 years. Why is that? Well, I found someone who I trust who does a really, really good job for me. And I think most people find that in their lives, whether it's the plumber or whether it's a maintenance person or whether it's a doctor or whether it's a dentist or whoever, you find someone who's high quality and that's who you gravitate toward. And I, I, I do find it kind of amazing, especially millennials and uh and Generation Z that uh, thinks that they can get uh, away with no research at all and that it's perfectly good to just go into chat rooms and listen to other talking heads give you advice. You know, the, what I would say is the, the least of what you should be doing is that 
uh, go out and buy some third-party research. Uh, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, we were talking about uh, the fact that you know, in investment research, like a successful investor here in Canada or investment quality trends in the U.S., there's a number of places you can go to get good information that uh, is based frankly, on fact. It's based on fact. It's not yeah, fiction. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's based. So, you know, it's fine and good quality. And and uh, sure, I mean, millennials can say, well, uh, you shouldn't, uh, you know, I can't afford to, to get good advice. Well, I don't think you can afford not to get good advice because, frankly, if you're listening to Dribble, uh, you'll never build a portfolio. So it's, it's, it's important where you get advice, whether you get it from an investment advisor that gives you a, a, rate of, a good rate of return that actually knows what they're talking about, and there's lots of those out there, or uh, you're, you're using a discounter, but you're actually buying research where the researchers make their money, not from peddling stocks or bonds, but it's the quality of their advice. Over, over years and over decades, they prove that uh, if you follow their advice, you're going to get good returns. So you've got to get good quality information, and you've got to get it from people who actually understand what makes stock markets move and the underpinnings behind it, and it's not just uh, hype and noise. Okay, so let's start with these four sectors. Earnings is the first one. Earnings represent profits, and if these profits uh, really allow a company's share price to go. If you go, the last study that I looked at showed that over two decades, that 95%, 94% of a stock's direction and magnitude of growth or, or, or literally when it falls can be attributable back to its earnings. So if earnings are rising, generally your stock price is rising. If earnings are falling, generally your stock price is falling. And certainly earnings can be influenced by tax rates, trade agreements, embargoes, inflation, and interest rates. But earnings are really a fundamental bedrock that uh, you really need to focus on. And of course, earnings can be affected by COVID-19, Russian U. Uh, Ukrainian war. I mean, there's other things that can affect earnings, but you really want to look at the bottom line because at the end of the day, if it's if a company doesn't have earnings, well, fundamentally, it, it it's very, very hard for that company to eventually uh, grow. And with such a high correlation between earnings and stock price movement, this is one of the bedrocks that you really want to pay attention to because it will give you a lot of clues why a share price is going up and down. Obviously, in this scenario, interest rates are a big factor too, right? Yeah, I mean, here again, this isn't rocket science. If interest rates are rising, often stock markets are going sideways or down. And that's because people with rising interest rates are paying down debt and less of the money ends up in the pockets of individuals and corporations because money isn't channeled into the economy. It's channeled into paying down debt. And so when that happens, earnings typically fall. When earnings are falling, people, corporations, and even governments can spend less on debt service and more on buying things or investing in the economy. Also, when interest rates are higher, uh, the attractiveness of, of fixed income investments rises in relationships to stock. So because of uh, the safety factor, I mean, if I can get 6% in a bond 
and I'm looking at maybe over a five-year period, if I get five or 6% a stock, well, maybe I'll take the bond because it's, uh, it's decent credit rating. It's probably a higher chance that uh, I'm going to get my, my rate of return with much less volatility. So, you know, a rising interest rates generally mean that uh, stocks are a tougher place to invest. Falling interest rates generally mean the economy is growing. People have more money to put into it. And stocks are rising. So uh, in, interest rates are also a big, big factor here. Investor sentiment. What is the hive thinking? If the hive is kind of negative, that's not a good sign, right? <clears throat> and the hive is where you often get your opportunity because, um, you know, it, over the long term, markets are a weighing machine and they're weighing all of future prospects of earnings, of interest rates, of inflation, of geopolitical events. And you know, over the short term, they can be a hype machine. So over the short term, you can get investor sentiment where investors are overly positive or overly negative about a sector. And I mean, we've all seen uh, bubbles come and bubbles go. I mean, in the last five years, we've had the crypto bubble, we've had the marijuana bubble, we've had an energy bubble, um, we've had a real estate bubble, we've had, you know, the list goes on and on. Right now, we're in the midst of an AI bubble. And so this can be a tremendous opportunity for you if you're an investor, understanding that investor sentiment obviously isn't always pushing companies for the right reasons. You know, um, you can have uh, people piling into stocks like you, you did with Reddit and pushing out companies that had no prospects of ever making money. Uh, up four or 500%. I mean, that's investor sentiment. And you can also have investors cra crashing and getting out of stocks because uh, they're, they're worried, probably too much so, that a sector is going to fall. So if you're an investor, you can use sentiment to your advantage. When things are getting crushed for, for the wrong reasons, maybe that's the time to buy. And if things are getting pushed up beyond all uh, realism, then maybe it's a time that if you, you own something in this sector, is to sell, because often the herd is wrong. And the last one here is, is impact events like the war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine. It, it had an effect on the market, and, it's, and it probably still does. Yeah, and of course we had uh, a lot of shortages when Russia was embargoed, and so there was opportunities, but you, you always know that shortages don't last forever. And so, you know, if you were in a company that produced steel or you were in a company that produced fertilizers, well, Russia's eventually found a way to get these products back out to market, even oil prices. And so when you get these high impact events, you have to realize that uh, they don't last forever. And so if you get a high impact event that's really helping your portfolio out, you want to make sure that you take some profits along the way because uh, trees don't grow to the sky and neither do stocks. Okay, so let's sum this up and, and, and in a nutshell here, that what you want to pay attention to. Well, you want, when rates are flat or falling, profits are rising, the economy is growing, therefore these factors improve investor sentiment. So all of a sudden you get investor sentiment, uh, you get profitability, and you get falling interest rates, which are in your corner. Generally, this can lead to very, very powerful bull markets. 
And when rates are rising, the economy slows and so do profits. Investors become negative and uh, they start selling. And generally, this will lead to a powerful bear market. Uh, the interaction generally happens over a four to six year period. And that's called the business cycle. So we've had four bear market cycles. We had the tech bust in 2000. We had the real estate bubble burst in 2007 to 2009. Back in 2020, uh, we had the COVID bear market. And last year, we had Russia-Ukraine war, which uh, took markets down significantly. So we've literally had four bear markets over 23 years. So that's about one every five and a half to six years. So nothing goes up or down forever. And you can use these cycles because they can present great opportunities to sell but when things are cheap, they can also present great opportunities to buy. And so you have to be aware of the under underpinnings of, of what the markets are doing. And always be aware as well of just the high impact events. Because wars, political events, uh, natural disasters, uh, they can come along uh, out of nowhere like black swans, as they're called, and change things dramatically. But over a cycle, frankly, if you're, you're buying when things are cheap and then uh, when rates are rolling over and they're coming down, the economy's growing, uh, these investors sentiment, these factors really uh, push investor sentiment higher. Well, if you get in early, you can, you can rise, uh, see stock prices rise quite dramatically. So you have to understand what drives bull markets, what drives bear markets, and look at the fundamental factors behind it and not just listen to the noise that goes on because everybody has a reason every day why things are moving. And frankly, most of those real, those uh, reasons don't make any sense. All right, so there you go, rounding it up. Next week we're back. Uh, nobody likes to lose in the market, but sometimes it happens, uh, sometimes with startling regularity. But you can use those losses to your advantage sometimes. We're going to look into that, correct, Ron? We're going to look at uh, using capital losses to reduce taxes, really what our show is. So we'll be talking about what a capital loss is. And so I would uh, come into the show with a pen and paper or a notepad or, or your, your iPad or whatever and take some notes because we'll be talking about basic rules for claiming capital losses. And then we're going to be talking about how to do tax loss harvesting where you're using some of your losses and you're writing them off against your gain. And over time, this can save you a tremendous amount of money on tax if you're doing it effectively. And I don't know anybody, I haven't met anybody yet who likes paying more tax. So <laughs> we can maybe help you out in that regard. We'll join you again next week. Remember, if you have a question or a show <coughs> suggestion, drop it to us. Let's make is our website. We'd be happy to hear from you. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.